Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, Mike, it's so much fun to be able to be talking football again in actual games, and we'll get into the big matchups here of week two, but honestly, there's been no bigger story than this Antonio Brown saga. I remember coming across that and seeing that going, oh my God, this reminded me of last week when I said, there's just no way I see Antonio Brown lasting the entire year of the Patriots. Some distraction is going to come. This guy is just, you know, he's too flammable. And this story specifically being accused of sexual assault, you read this story, and obviously the details are a little filthy. If you haven't read it, you can go ahead and find it, but the basic gist of it is this. A woman who he knew, former trainer, uh, accused him of masturbating behind her and then ejaculating on her back and then you know laughing about it and you know telling other friends about it and just I mean it's a it's a, obviously a very vile story it's not a story that you want out there um, how does this react to the Patriots though because obviously the league has to take a look at it and they're hoping to have him suit up in week two the immediate question is this is he playing on Sunday you know, I, that's a hard one because you never know which way the league is going to go in this situation. I mean, the, the Chiefs suspended Tyree Kill themselves. They kept him away from the offseason workouts while the league was investigating. So the league didn't have to do any. Plus, it was the offseason. Now it's the season. And if they put him on the exempt list, he has to get paid. But this investigation is going to take, I think it's going to take more than just a week of time. And I would suspect that brown would file a a charge saying you know have a right to work so i I think this gets a little messier in the collective bargaining agreement i mean this is a civil suit it's just it's horrible i mean there's no real way to to say it other than it's horrible and i think that the patriots clearly didn't know or else i don't know if they would have gone and signed them and go down this road but they certainly have language to protect themselves all contracts when we do those contracts you try to protect yourself especially with a a volatile player like this, you've got to make sure that even though you guarantee money, you have outs to it. And honestly, it, I mean, this is our segment we're going to be doing called Make Me Smarter, because honestly, when, when you look at a story like this, you think, okay, it's very straightforward, and AB did this, and so on and so forth. But like you said, the league has to investigate it. There's lots of different uh, aspects to it. And like you said, the Patriots, as far as they're concerned, I'm sure they did not know about this. You wouldn't assign a guy who had this uh, problem lurking. Um as far as Belichick, because you know him as well as anybody, what do you think is going through his mind when he saw the story and now he's trying to process it? You know, it's it's uh, he probably made a phone call to Drew and it was like, you know, what's the deal? And Drew probably went into a conversation about it's no big deal. This is, you know, this is X, Y, and Z. Uh, these are Drew. I'm paraphrasing Drew's words. I'm not, sure. and, I, and I'm not minimizing anything that's happened here. Obviously. You know, the timing of everything came out. I mean, the suit, the civil suit was filed, and within 10 minutes, Brown's attorney had a rebuttal, and he's going to file a countersuit against them. So, like, they knew this was coming. I mean, this wasn't a surprise. And now, you know, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh district attorney is trying to get involved in certain investigating because maybe some of the charges were, were there. But, you know, I, I think Belichick probably had a conversation with Drew, then he had a conversation with Antonio Brown, probably had a conversation with Robert Kraft, and they went over it. And then, you know, the thing that I think is really misunderstood is people think that these things will distract the Patriots. I mean, that they, they're built on not being distracted. That's what they do. They don't really – this will not affect them one bit. He'll keep the team completely focused because when we did water, – when, when Watergate, <laughs> when Deflategate happened, right, <laughs> you know yeah. – uh, 
that was the biggest non-story I've ever seen in my life, right? I mean, like, I, I can, we were all in the office wondering, like, what the fuck is they talking about? Like, football, are you kidding me? Like, they're making this into something? And, and it was nothing. And then he just took it over and just basically said, you guys work on football. I got it. I don't want to hear anybody else talking about it. I got it. And then that's it. And then that was it. And we got ready for a Super Bowl. And I think it's the same thing. He probably told the staff, look, nobody's going to talk about this. Nobody's going to talk about that. Remember, when you walk in that building, there's, a, there's only one sign in that building. There's no Super Bowl trophies when you come in the player's entrance. There's no pictures of Tom Brady. There's no pictures of Belichick with the trophy. There's one sign. And the sign says, do your job. Speak for yourself. Be attentive. Put the team first. That number two, speak for yourself, is the number is the biggest rule because as you heard Rex Burkhead say, and you've heard Tom Brady say, I don't know anything about the Antonio Brown. I speak for myself. That's part of the code of conduct that goes a part of joining the Navy SEALs program, i.e. the the Patriots. So ultimately, like you said, too many questions to kind of speculate whether or not when he's going to play. Obviously, they're going to have to do an investigation, but your best guess would be at least a week to kind of look through it, see what happens, see what Goodell's decree could be. I don't know if it's a four-game suspension. I don't know if it's more than that. It's less than well, that. Well, he's like got to be proven that he's guilty, right? And then, and then the, the, the right. commissioner's also got to prove that he, these things are damaging to the league in terms of the imagery, okay? You know, the Tyreek Hill situation, for some strange reason, you know, I think, I think this Antonio Brown's emails is damaging to the league. There's no question. But I think the Tyreek Hill video was damaging. Uh, voice phone was damaging to the league, and he didn't get suspended. I don't know if anybody right. can honestly say they know what the league office is going to do because they just don't. They make it up as they go along, and these are serious charges. And you know, and and let's be real honest here. I'm not defending Antonio Brown. God knows I'm not. But he has a right to due process as well, too. You know, he has a right to. I mean, there's there's really when you read his attorney's statements, there seems to be a lot of conflicting things. Again, I'm not defending, as I said to somebody the other day, like I'm not defending neither side of this is really, you know, I don't understand enough of it to be able to make a judgment because we don't have all the evidence. Yeah, innocent until proven guilty. And honestly, right now for the Patriots, they'll just kind of have to wait and see what happens to the AB. And clearly uh, that, that whole issue will sort itself out eventually. Right, and I, and I think this too. I think when your behavior is focused on your task at hand, and that's what Belichick will do, then everybody else falls in suit. There'll be no water cooler conversations about this Antonio Brown thing at the Patriots. Ultimately, that is our Make Me Smarter segment here on the GM Shuffle as we now segue into the actual games themselves. Including the Colts at the Titans. Tough week one overtime loss in the rearview mirror. Colts turned their attention. First division matchup of the season heading to Nashville to take on the Titans in week two. Titans look great, Mike, in week one. Uh, Mariota looked great. The whole offense was clicking. And the Colts obviously miss Andrew Luck a little bit, although that wasn't the reason that they lost. How do you handicap? This is a big one for the South. Yeah, I, I love the Colts here. I love the Colts give the points. I think I think getting the points with the Colts is a great play here. I, the Colts have outscored this Titans team in the t- last two games, 71-27. to 27. They've dominated them. I mean, they have really they forced five turnovers. I think the speed and quickness of the Colts' defensive line gives Tennessee's offensive line a lot of trouble. Dennis Kelly now playing left tackle, I think, is very problematic for him. And then you know Mariota managed himself really well, but but AD he only had two throws over twenty yards in the whole game. Everybody in the league knows he's not going to throw it down the field, and he made the one completion on the thirty yard throw against the Browns, which was huge. 
you know, and it gained 47 yards. That was a big play. But for the most part, everything's behind the line. Everything's within 10 yards. And I think that they've got to be able to, the Colts will be able to put some pressure on them. I, I like this Colt team to fight back. I thought they had no gap integrity last week against the Chargers. I think they'll get that fixed. And where I was worried was, where were they going to be on third down? Because we know the Colts are a great third down team. We know that last year they're the best third down team in football. Well, guess what? They were 7 for 13 on third down versus the Chargers against a really good front, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa and that group out there. So I like the Colts. I know it's a second road game, but I really like the Colts here. For the Titans, can you, can you dink and dunk your way to success? Like the way you're describing with Mariota, a guy who's not going to be able to take chances down the field. Can you do that? And if so, what needs to happen to be successful? Great run game, strong defense, etc.? Yeah, they got to play great defense. I mean, the last time they played them in, in Nashville, this, there was a lot on the line here. The, the, the Colts had the ball 40 minutes in that game. They had 24 first downs. They were 5 for 13, 436 yards. And, and the Titans, under the direction of Matt LaFleur, were 1 for 9 on third down. I mean, they have a hard time. The quickness bothers them. Like, when I was in the league, there were certain teams, because we were a size-speed team in Cleveland with Belichick and and with the Raiders, we had problems with quick teams that can move. And this Colt team's very good. I, I think Frank Reich's a really good. The more I watch Frank Reich coach, the more I'm impressed. And I think he's just going to find a way to get the things done. I mean, the last time they played them, they dominated the game, and they had 12 penalties for 96 yards. So you know... They're going to play really well. I, I like the Colts here. I, I think the Titans just don't have enough playmakers. Look, last week we saw A.J. Brown make a lot of plays in the game. But A.J. Brown, Denzel Ward was covering A.J. Brown. Now, I know everybody thinks Denzel Ward's the greatest corner in the history of America because John Dorsey drafted him. But Denzel mm-hmm. Ward won't tackle anybody. I mean, Denzel Ward doesn't tackle. And if you're covering A.J. Brown and you don't tackle, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, watching A.J. Brown in college, he's all about speed. And you're right, he's going to fly down the field. You better be able to keep up with him. All right, next game we want to focus on here is the Chargers and the Lions. And, I mean, listen, you, you look at these two teams, you see the Chargers... I mean, they got up to a two-score lead season opener. At one point, Chargers and Lions both held 24-9 leads over their opponent, just like the Lions. The Chargers blew that 15-point lead. They went into overtime, tied at 24. So for the Chargers, you go, oh, my goodness, how did this happen? And as far as the Lions are concerned, you don't expect them to be a good team. We talked about last week, I mean, LaFleur, look, I mean, he's got the crotch, he's limping, he looks miserable. I mean, this. I feel like this is a Chargers victory on the road, No. No, I, I like the look. If you know me and, the, and with Patricia and the Lions, I'm, I've been anti-Lions. But I went back. I watched that tape of the Lions and the Cardinals. I mean, they gave up 193 yards in the fourth quarter in that game. They were tired. They were exhausted. I thought the Lions were playing really good. When Matthew Stafford, you know, Matthew Stafford looked finally healthy. I mean, his back didn't look like it was bothering him at all. And, I, and I've been told he had back problems. I think it looks much better. They look like they could run the ball. Actually, I thought they could run the ball better. I think if Karan Johnson, Karan Johnson would have broken some tackles, they could have easily had a lot of lot bigger runs than they did. And so now you get a Charger team that comes into, into a dome stadium with crowd noise without really a good offensive line. Remember my theory, bad offensive lines don't travel. And then let's just take a look. Phillip Rivers on the road in domes. He's 4-6. and six. And that 4-6 and six record came with the, he's on a three-game win streak. He's won the last three games. He beat Atlanta in 16. He beat Houston in 16. And he beat Dallas in 17. Those are his last three wins on the road. So, and before that, he was on a four-game losing streak. He lost six of the last, five, six of the last seven. So, 
I think a dome with a bad with a bad offensive line. That's why I like the Lions will move the ball. They'll have trouble blocking. There's no doubt. Decker will have trouble blocking Bosa. They'll all have trouble blocking Ingram. But I think they'll move the football, and I think they'll sneak a wind out. And and I think you get a home favorite to get the points. I like it. Maybe they'll have Kid Rock there as well. You know, just get the Detroit crowd yeah. fired up. Kick it off, right? No doubt. All, all the Detroit sports talk radio people will be happy now because you're actually giving some props here to the Lions. You're predicting. Yeah, they won't be mad at me Patricia. today. I, actually, I got to be honest. When you go back and watch the tape, they played really good. They played really good. They just got exhausted. They were done at the end of the game. They were done, and they made a huge mistake stake forget the forget the you know calling the timeout they got conservative they should have just stayed with their offense when it was up 24 to 6 they should have just stayed with their offense and just gone with it they got and then it was 24 to 9 and that's when they needed to score again there's always a point in a game where i always would say to myself we need we can win the game right here and it's never in the last two minutes of the game there's always a point in the third quarter where you say to yourself we can win the game right here and as a coach you have to know that and then your team has to know it. And I think that that's the mistake the Lions made. Yeah, they'll look at that game as the one that got away. Meantime, two heavyweight teams here, Seahawks and Steelers, only facing the AFC West every four years. Matchup against the Seahawks, a rarity. Steelers and Seahawks have only faced each other three times since that Super Bowl in Detroit at the conclusion of the 05 season. Seattle right now, they barely won, Mike. They didn't look very impressive in Week 1, only won by one point. Pittsburgh obviously got destroyed against the Patriots. So these are two... You know, popular teams, two big fan bases with something to prove very early in the season. Yeah, you know, and, and I thought, went back and watched both tapes again. I mean, Seattle was horrible on defense. They gave up almost 400 yards passing. I know John Ross went, was lighting them up, but they got five sacks in a game, but you never really felt like Dalton. Dalton could have played. He, there was they, He left yards on the field, but here's where I'm leaning. I'm leaning towards Pittsburgh strongly, and here's why. Pete Carroll is 14-0 and at home in the month of September. However... Pete Carroll is 3-13 and on the road in the month of September. And his last win broke an eight-game losing streak when he beat Arizona by three points in Arizona. I don't think this team can travel very well. Tomlin's 12-5 and at home in September since 2007. And that's in his career. Since 07, he's 4-5. and I, I think this is Pittsburgh's time. They need to go back and identify really who they are on offense. They acted in New England like they still had Antonio Brown, like they still had Le'Veon Bell. I think they need to get back to being a little bit more, you know, under center, some play action, run, get some two-back runs in there, and try to pound it a little bit. I think I think they're going to give Seattle a lot of trouble in the game. I like Pittsburgh here. How do you think Russell Wilson will fare against the Pittsburgh defense? Because obviously Brady and the Patriots carved him up. Was that an aberration? Or do you think Pittsburgh's defense isn't as strong as they have been in the past? I, I think they'll play better because I'm not sure that, that there's enough receivers on the field that are going to give Pittsburgh trouble. Look, D.K. Metcalf, he's a one-route runner. He had a bigger game last week, but they only had the ball 24 minutes against the Bengals. The Bengals' defense dominated that game. Russell Wilson was 4-12 for 12 on third down. When you go back and watch it, and some of those third downs, he was fortunate. I, we know this about Pittsburgh. They play play better at home in September. We know the crowd noise will help them. And Seattle, I just didn't think they played very well defensively, and I think it's going to take them some time. That field is always a problem for kickers in in Pittsburgh, and I think it'll be a problem this week. All right, so the next match we want to look at here, and obviously this is one that both fan bases have been waiting for a while, especially in New Orleans. Saints at the Rams, the no-call that helps in the Rams the Super Bowl. Saints are seeking revenge for that loss in the NFC Championship. I mean, you talk about circle games and matchups that the fans have been waiting for. I mean, God, New Orleans is saying, okay, yeah. this is our chance for a, a measure of revenge against the Rams. Two high-powered teams here, and um, I, I like the Saints in this one, but I don't know. What do you think? 
I'm liking the Rams. I think this. I think that it's a Monday night game in New Orleans. You played late. It didn't end till late. It was an exhausting game. It's a short week. You got to go back out and play. The Rams traveled across the country. Peyton's nine and fourteen on the road in September. He's a below five hundred coach in the, during his career in September. I think it's a tough spot for New Orleans. I think. I think the Rams' defense is not great by no means. I think they lack depth, but I do think they'll match up. And I think the Rams' offense last week, Goff didn't really make any plays in the passing game down the field, and they still were able to win the game and find a way to score points. I think the Rams want to prove that they're the better team. I think the Rams at home, I like the home team here, only because the Saints played Monday night. I think it'll be a great game, but I'm going Rams. You mentioned that Rams defense. I remember hearing that a lot year ago as well. Listen, they've got playmakers or major names. Aaron Donald might be the best defensive tackle in football, et cetera. But your point about depth is interesting because as the season wears on, if one or two of those key pieces get hurt, that's when you really start to see the defense get exposed, right? Yeah, no doubt. And I think that that's, that's the problem. I mean, you know, if they can stay healthy. Last week, Aaron Donald, you couldn't even find him in the game. He was, he was hard to find in that game. And, and so – you know they they did a good job of handling him and blocking him and and game planning against them this week to me, and I think a lot of people like you AD really favor the Saints. The Saints are twenty and five against the spread in the last twenty five games. Good teams with an eighty percent better winning percentage, and the Rams are twenty one and forty in September against the spread. So you can definitely see that the the line and I think the pro people are going leaning towards the Saints in this game. I like the Rams, but people are leaning towards the Saints. All right, we'll see how that one shapes out. Meantime, Eagles and Falcons. How about Deshaun Jackson? I mean, you looked at last year when Carson Wentz was really kind of, you know, not really getting on track. You'd say, I mean, these receivers just aren't very good. They don't create much separation from corners. They don't really give him a big target. Well, Deshaun Jackson obviously is a home run threat. Last week, eight catches, 154 yards, two touchdowns against the Redskins. Now Philadelphia faces the Falcons. Do you think DJX will be as effective against the Falcons secondary? Yeah, I do. I, I think this Eagle team's really good, and I think that people think that the Falcons are going to bounce back, but I think the Falcons' inability in their offensive line is going to show up. They lose Lindstrom last week, their first-round pick. They're going to start a rookie. They're going to start a, their rookie, the, their other first-round pick, the kid from Washington in the offensive line. I mean, I don't like the, what the Falcons did on defense up in Minnesota. I, Minnesota ran the ball down their throat. Atlanta's 2-13 and 13 against the spread in the last 15 games, revenging a loss. I mean that's not very impressive and Philly and Philly is 11 and 14 against the spread on the road. So I like Philly. It was a pick 'em game at one time. I was picking Philly all the way because I think Philly's a team that's got a that that'll play well. I thought the second half Carson Wentz came into his own and all of a sudden they became problematic to handle whether it was run game or passing game and Jackson like you said AD was really tough to stop. This Falcon defense bothers me. They didn't play very well. I know Dan Quinn's coaching it. I know they're playing home. I know Matt Ryan's favorite in the Dome. I just like Philly in the game. Matt Ryan, a Philly guy, so he tried to get some revenge. It's the team he grew up rooting for there on the Eagles. How about the Bears and the Broncos? Bears looked yeah. dreadful against the Packers in Week 1. The Broncos didn't look much better. So both of these teams coming off losses in Week 1. Who do you like in this one? Toss-up? Well, <laughs> you know, it's a toss-up. It's a pick'em game. I think Vic Fangio knows Mitchell Trubisky better than anybody, and he's going to make yeah. him play quarterback in the game. But here's really why I like Denver in a pick'em game. Since 2000, Denver's 31-6 and at home. In the month of September, thirty-one and six. They're on a, a, a un, the last time they lost at home in September was two thousand and twelve when they lost to Houston by six points. 
So they're really, I mean, they're a good home team. I mean, I know they're playing on a short week. But look, let's go back. Missouri struggle when they play in altitude up, up there. They just got exhausted Missouri and lost to Wyoming, right? We saw mm-hmm. the Colorado, the Colorado-Nebraska game. All of a sudden, Nebraska's playing great defense. People are wondering, what happened to Nebraska's defense? Well, it's the altitude up in Boulder. They got them, right? There's a reason why Denver's 31-6 and in the month of September. It's that altitude. And I think the longer this game goes, I think that Khalil Mack and the defense will start to wear down, and that'll favor Denver. And I think Denver will take the game over plus i don't like trubisky on the road in a tough environment especially a tough place to play send those uh hate mails bears fans to the gm shuffle at gmail.com <laughs> all those trubisky fans just fired up right now michael personally you know here's what we'll do michael personally sends you an eight by ten of mitchell trubisky he's got a bunch of yeah. trubisky pictures lying around the office he'll sign it michael lombardi and send it right to you and say good luck to you kid go ahead yeah, I mean, no doubt, no doubt. I, I, you know, it's just, it's. I have not heard, you know, since I uttered the Feline basement line last year that I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't buy uh, Mitchell Trubisky if he was on the discount rack in the Feline's basement. People have been giving me shit about because nobody knows what Feline. Feline was a discount store up in Boston, you know, and so. <laughs> <laughs> they're giving me, but I've not heard from any Bears fans in at least uh, it since. It's been a good 12 months. Even when I was saying you're making a donation, betting them for the MVP. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Which, by the way, I, I still, my buddy Cabby's working on this show, uh, BR, Bleacher Report betting line. The number one quarterback, according to the Vegas betting line, was Trubisky. People just like the odds. Picking him, the betting favorite, to win MVP. You know, you can give your money to the RFK Foundation, the Health and Human Rights Service. You know, RFK gave that. I think that's a better donation. You get a tax deduction, too, you know? Good point on the tax deduction. Uh, 49ers and the Bengals. Listen, San Francisco is a different team with Jim Garoppolo at quarterback. They got their first road win since December of 2017, and now they're facing the Bengals, who looked uninspired in week one. Can Garoppolo and the Niners go to 2-0, be the surprise team out of the gate? If I had any balls, now I'm not picking this game. If I had any go- balls, I would pick Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati played really good defense last week. I think they, they made mistakes on offense. They turned the ball over. They had Seattle in a tough road game, and they had Seattle on the ropes. Seattle's, we know Pete Carroll's undefeated at home in September, and they damn near had them beat. San Francisco, Garoppolo throws a pick six. They need two touchdowns from their defense because of the great Jameis Winston turns the damn ball over, even though Bruce Arian says it wasn't his fault. If I had any guts, I would play the Bengals here hard, hard, hard. Because the numbers, when you analyze the two teams and you watch them play on tape, the Bengals play by far better. Since San Francisco, penalties. San Francisco had two touchdowns called back because they had penalties. I mean, the San Francisco did not look very well coached offensively, which is something you think they should be. You know, their running game wasn't very good. I mean, they, they only gained 245 yards. And I love Jimmy G as much as anybody, but their receivers didn't make plays, and he didn't play very well. I, I'm leaning towards Cincinnati. Cincinnati, to me, playing at home, home opener, San Francisco, another West Coast trip, another West to East Coast trip, uh, to me, I, I, I'm, I'm, liking the, I'm like the Bengals here. I just don't have enough guts because I can't buy anything the Bengals do, but I like them. A thought occurred to me as you're mentioning the lack of guts that you may have. Of course, Mike does a great show on VEASAN as well. So if you want to hear lots of, you know, again, betting advice and pick'em games, et cetera. Are you at the point now, Mike, you can pick, like, for example, on VEASAN, you can pick the Bengals. And then on the GM Shuffle, you can pick the 49ers. And no matter what, you come out ahead. Are you that kind of guy? Or you say, no, these are my picks. On every platform, I'm going to do that. You know, that's called survivorship bias. I wrote about that in the Daily Coach this week. Okay, so Jimmy the Greek, the great Jimmy the Greek, he, he, he told that. So what survivorship bias is when you only look at the information that survives. And the example I gave was during the, during the Second World War, the RFA were sending planes into Germany. And when the 
planes would come back, there was bullet holes riddled all over them. So they asked this mathematician, Walt, to go look at the planes and decide where to put the armor to support the planes. And he basically said, look, this is completely screwed up. I'm looking at the wrong information. The information I need to be looking at is the planes that crashed, that got sent down, to the, that got destroyed. The ones that come back, they're surviving. They didn't get hit in the right spot. I need to put the armor where the planes that crashed. And so Jimmy the Greek did exactly what you just accusing me of, A.D., which is brilliant, <laughs> by the way, which is very brilliant. So Jimmy the Greek, you know, back in the day when we were young, the CBS, the, the morning show, the C- NFL Today didn't come on to 1230. The Greek had a syndicated radio show, and that was go from 12 to 1230. He picked five games. And those five games he'd pick, when he went on television from 1230 to 1, he would pick the opposite of what he picked, survivorship biased, right? So mm-hmm. some audiences was going to see that he won, that he got games, you know, that he got right, and he never was wrong. No, I'm not. I, I have a good memory, and plus we have Twitter today. So how, <laughs> how quickly do you think I would be, hey, Lombardi, you fat asshole, you know, you pick this on Weeson, you pick that, yeah, come on. And besides, you know uh, who would give me more shit for doing it than anybody is my is Millie. She would say like, "You can't do that. That's not fair." And I would never right. do it. Yeah, you go from gap integrity to Lombardi integrity. Okay, exactly. You the Thank you. you. Go Thank you. The well done. All right. <laughs> All right. Those are the actual NFL games as far as picking this week. Coming up next, Mike and I answer your questions when we open up the GM Shuffle mailbag. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, time to open up the mailbag. As always, we appreciate all the questions coming. The GM Shuffle at gmail.com. Mike and Adnan, this is from Zane, sent from Virginia. With all the hype surrounding every team each offseason, I'm reminded of Bill Walsh's quote, we are only competing against eight. The rest have no chance. With that being said, what are your eight teams the realistic shot at the Super Bowl this year? Okay, so we already discussed last week the three teams that look the best. So Patriots, Chiefs, Eagles, those are three easy ones there. We just need five more, Mike. Well, I, I think it's pretty, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's consistent. Baltimore, you know, they're always going to be competing. I mean, they, people can talk about Lamar Jackson, but they're going to be competing. Pittsburgh's not going anywhere. They're not running away. So that's, that gives you five. I think when you, we, we talked about Dallas, Philadelphia, right? So we, we got the East covered there. The North. So you would put in Dallas as well? Oh, absolutely. I put Dallas okay. in. So that's, so that's what, where are we at? Six. So that's six. Now. Rams? Rams are seven. 
you know, Saints? and we have the Saints eight. There's your eight. I mean, there oh. they are. It's not that hard. I mean, is Green Bay ready to compete at that level? I don't know. I think, you know, you know how I feel about Mark Murphy running the team, so I don't think that qualifies him. Minnesota's in that, that thing. Minnesota, I would say, is in there. Mm-hmm. And then the South, we, you know, we got New Orleans. Is Atlanta? I don't think so. Yeah, it's interesting. AFC, I'm with you. I really feel like Pats, Chiefs, after that, I'd be hard. I mean, Steelers as well. Pats, Chiefs, Steelers, I feel pretty good about it. After that, I'm like, yeah, I can't see a team really making a run that deep with regards to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I can't see the Chargers. I mean, with that offensive line, they're gonna. that's that's why I don't like them on the road this week. That Sam Tevy, who's he going to block? I mean, who's Scott going to block? They had a hard time blocking. I think part of the reason the Colts lost the game against the Chargers is because they lost, as you mentioned, gap integrity, right? They mm-hmm. were so desperate to trade to, to, because they knew they could sack the quarterback, they lost control of the run game. Right. Uh, this is from Javad. Uh, appreciate him chiming in. There's a lot of dysfunction in organizations. Many are not constructed well enough to win. This is often because of bad leadership and decision-making on the personal or coaching side. But one thing that I haven't heard you talk about a lot is the effect of bad ownership. There's really no way to fire an owner. I think the league would be more competitive if there's a way to get rid of bad owners, be better at selecting qualified owners. What do you think? Well, I think there's no doubt. I think, I think Washington's a perfect example. Bad owner. You know, he can't, he's, he's what, he's been to four playoff games in 19 years that he's owned the team. There's a huge article in the Washington Post about his reign as the owner of the team. I mean, he just can't. And it, the, here's the problem with bad ownership. They don't learn. You know, they don't learn. They keep asking them. Jimmy Haslam used to ask me every single day, what, what can I do to become a great owner? And I, and I would give him an answer and he'd ask me the next day. Like, we're playing the national anthem every day, Jimmy. Like, like at some point you can't do this, you know? Either you right. listen to the advice or you don't. But most of these owners let the ego get in the way. I'm, I mean, and most of, most of them are bad farmers. You know, the farmer's rule, whereas if you plant a, plant a crop, don't dig it up to see if the roots are taking hold. Like, let it see if, like, trust it's going to be, have faith, let it go. I mean, the Glazers family down in Tampa Bay, they're really good. Their, their ownership, you, Manchester United, like at some point they, have to, they, they don't understand how to hire competent people. And then they lose sight of the fact that, well, we need to be more stable, so we're going to give bad people another year. Like that's, that's really bad leadership. But you're right. I mean, he's completely right. Ownership is the huge factor. That's right. why the, really there's only eight owners. Yeah. Let's do a few quick hitters here. 30 seconds each, Mike. Odell Beckham Jr. will reportedly continue to wear Richard really Watt in the field. That was a a $350,000 watch, I believe. Uh, now he said it wasn't that much. What a jerk. He says it, and it's not. A, he wants to focus on football, yet he wears a watch. Give me a break, please. Like, at some point, when does somebody in the Cleveland Browns organization say, hey, Odell, enough is enough. Shut up and take the watch off, okay? Incredibly expensive watch. I'm like, there's just no reason to be doing that. You're just showing off, and you just want the watch to get broken. I'm like, come on, dude. What are we doing here? Uh, reports say that Dolphins players want out. How do you handle that as a GM? What is Miami doing? Obviously, they want to tank for Tua. So if a guy doesn't want to be there, do you go, fine, we'll just cut your ass. It's been fun. I mean, here's my question to you is, like, who do they have that's any good that, that could be demanding? Like, seriously, <laughs> their team isn't any good. Like, who's going to walk in? I mean, Xavier Howard's good, and he's already come out and said he doesn't. Well, who's going to walk in there? Some slappy and say, oh, I don't like it here. I'm, you know, well, you haven't even played well enough in the league like seriously what are you going to do you know come on give me a break i mean like when, once you play good you can come in but the problem is ryan Fitzpatrick gonna walk and say i don't like what we're doing here ryan you're part yeah. of the problem you know exactly it's been fun Fitz. take care who's yeah. the one fantasy player owners need to start in week two a little fantasy here for you i think james connor at pittsburgh i think the run i think pittsburgh will get their running game going a little bit i think they can, they know they can't be a 50 pass team against seattle i think they'll get their running game going seattle on the road in pittsburgh i think james connor will have a good day all right, that's a good pick there. And lastly, get this question, which is a little bit interesting here. This is why we had to put it here for quick hitters. Um, a Browns fan threw a beer on a Titans player on Sunday. The Browns retaliated by banning who they thought was the culprit for life. 
Turns out it wasn't a random guy. Hasn't been to a game since 2010. I'm gone for life. I haven't even seen a game in nine years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just because you buy a ticket doesn't give you the right to be a complete asshole. You can be an asshole, but don't be a complete asshole. Like, right? Like, and why would you waste a ten dollar beer on throwing it on a player? Like, if you're going to throw, like, like. Do the do the Kramer and, and Newman thing. Spit on them. Have a second spitter. Right. You know? Keith Hernandez. Ro- Roger McDowell was the second spitter. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Like, why waste a $10 beer on somebody? Like, spit. Right. Figure out other ways and just be more judicious about it. And the fact yeah, that I've the wrong Be more fan. divergent in thought. Exactly. <laughs> Coming up next, Mike will give you which games are locks to cover the spread. We'll also preview some college football. That's next in the GM Shuffle. All right, college football here. Mike, we want to focus on games on Saturdays and Sundays here on the GM Shuffle. So game one, USC is at BYU. Week three, college football odds. Trojans are favored by four and a half points on the road. Over, under for the game listed at 55 points. Of course, USC thought JT Daniels is going to be the guy. Unfortunately, he gets hurt. What are you thinking here with the Trojans and the Cougs? You know, I I, I think the Trojans with Graham Harrell, the new offense, the freshman quarterback, I I think they looked really good. And I know people are thinking, well, BYU, they went back, they beat Tennessee. I I know it's a road game for USC, but I think USC's offense was pretty damn good. I'm not sure that BYU is going to be able to run the ball on USC. I like the Trojans here. Okay, that's the pick there. Meantime, game number two, the Ohio State at Indiana. Ohio State beat the Hoosiers 49-26 at home in Columbus. The most recent meeting between these programs, that was October 6th of last year. The Buckeyes 74-12-5 in 91 ultimate head-to-head matchups against Indiana. So Buckeyes win, but do they cover the spread? And that, that, and that's the question. Is do they, They're definitely going to win, but will they cover the spread? And Indiana's been great against the spread. Every time they've played them, they've had – I think I think Urban Meyer was 1-9 against the spread in Indiana. That's why you got to favor Indiana. Everybody thinks Indiana's a bad team. I was told this is one of the better teams that Indiana's going to have. I don't. I wouldn't play this game, but I think everybody's going to look at this and say, "Well, Ohio State's better than 14 points." Look what they did to Cincinnati. I think that's the trap you fall into. Okay, game three is Air Force at Colorado. Falcons taking a trip to Boulder. This is Saturday afternoon at Folsom Field. This will be the first ever matchup between the Falcons and Buffaloes with points, but having the home team favored by four points. A bit of an anomaly here. I think Colorado's defense isn't very good. They can't get ready for the triple option. And I think that Air Force is a tough team to play. Air Force isn't going to have any trouble with the altitude. This game started out. This is where I think you have to be when you have to pay attention to these lines. This, this game started out as Air Force as the favorite, and the betters went towards Colorado which is the variance. This is a very Michael Lewis-type thing. The variance went to Colorado, but the reality of it is is the sharp money was always on Air Force, and now you're getting points in Air Force. That seems like the right play. Michael Lewis, Moneyball, The Big Short. What's your favorite Michael Lewis book? I think The Big Short. I think The Big Short's really good, yeah. Liar's Poker's really good, too, though. Yeah. But Michael Lewis makes complicated things easy, at least for for somebody like me to understand, you know? Well, for all of us, but the big short, you watch the movie and you go, I wouldn't understand what the hell any of this is. But all of a sudden I got uh, Margot Robbie in a hot tub. I'm like, okay, I think I understand things now. <laughs> I got this um, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Florida State at Virginia. According to Odd Shark, Virginia is a seven and a half point favorite over the Seminoles. Over under betting line for the game is 58. Are you taking the over in this one? I think you got to take the over here because I think Virginia. I think Virginia's good on defense, right? I think, but Florida State's good on offense. They have no defense. Florida State's defense has given up too many points. I love Virginia here. I think Virginia. This is this is Virginia's Super Bowl. Charlottesville will be alive. It's going to be a night game. They're going to be alive. I think the seven and a half points is is going to go. I think Florida State's not well coached. They just brought Jim Levitt in to, to help with their defense, which is only going to create more problems. 
I love Virginia. I think this is Virginia's game of the year. I think this will be a, a super play for them. You know, there's so many good games in college football. I, th- I think the one betting advice I'd give people if they want to bet on college football, stay within a conference. Don't go outside a conference. Follow the Fred Palermo rule. Get the menu. Cut it way short. Only focus on two or three conferences. Stay out of it. You know, and then watch teams repeatedly. Watch teams Colorado. Watch them repeatedly. Don't make that mistake. Lastly, Thursday Night Football, any quick thoughts on the game we're expecting tonight? You know, I, I, I have a lot of quick thoughts on this game because this is one of those where, you know, everybody's talking about Cam Newton not being able to throw the ball down the field, which he didn't do at all. Cam attempted 11 passes over 20 yards and completed five of them. He was five of nine, 20 and over, and 0 for two anytime the ball go over, went over 20. I think Todd Bowles does a great job defensive coach as a defense coordinator. I mean, he held San Francisco 254, did a great job with them, turned the ball over. You know, Rivera's, how about this? How about this for a nugget? Rivera's two for five on Thursday night and one and three at home. That's uninspiring. I mean, think about that. I mean, I think Carolina wins. I think it'll be a close game. I mean, I wouldn't play this, but I, I, I think to me, if, if you put a gun to my head, I would take the bucks and the points. I hate Winston. You know, I mean, last week, <laughs> my man Bruce Arians said, you know, Winston, the two of the three interceptions weren't his fault. Well, how about the one that the kid dropped? Was that his fault? It was right between, him between the five and the eight. You know, was that his fault? I don't know. He could have had four. I mean, the guy's loose with the ball. Here about the, how about this? The guy's played. The guy has 61 picks and 24 fumbles over his first 57 games. Now, he hasn't lost all those fumbles. He lost 14 of those fumbles. But in 60, but he's thrown 61 interceptions, and he's lost 24 balls in the pocket. He got 10 of them back. So he's got 75 turnovers in the first 57 games. Right. I was going to say, bet on that. No matter what, he's going to turn the ball over at least once tonight. And you want to be my latex salesman on the road? I don't <laughs> think so. Like I Vandalay so. Industries. Vandalay Industries. <laughs> Winston Industries. I would never. That's why I'm not betting this game. But to me, the numbers say it should be Tampa. But then I look at Jameis and I say, no. Can't wait to see what Cam Newton wears after the game. As always, check out the Daily Coach. Mike's work on the Athletic. VEASAN, DAZN, uh, Change Up. we got tons of stuff everywhere, man. We're not, we're not hard guys to find. So go ahead and uh, tweet us. Let us know what you think. No, we're working. Hey, we are working. That's one thing. Our, our parents would be proud. We're working hard. <laughs> Great stuff, man.